Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Since 1995, you've heard this song, The Chase, Giorgio Moroder, begin our overnight network program called Coast to Coast AM. The host is George Norrie. Well, George is with us today. He is our guest of honor on Spotlight Connecticut, and I know he's not from Connecticut. He's not a Connecticut guy, but he's been broadcasting in Connecticut on our station full-time as a network host since 2003, effective this month. So happy 20 years to George Norrie. Of course, our relationship with the Coast to Coast AM talk show brand began in 1995 with host Art Bell. You can still hear art for an hour. We have classic Art Bell reruns Saturday and Sunday just for an hour, midnight to 1 a.m. Incredible broadcasters, both of them. So I'm going to sit here and interview George Norrie. And if you are a daytime guy, if you've never tuned in overnight, hopefully we'll give you a little bit of a taste what we do here in the middle of the night on WTIC. I would also like to say hello to two listeners who reached out to me in the last week by email with a number of story ideas because your story ideas about Connecticut are always welcome. I can tease that next week we are going to be making a visit to Fosha's Chocolates of Waterbury just in time for Valentine's Day. I've got a special tour with them and we're going to talk everything chocolate all next Saturday, starting at 2 on Spotlight Connecticut. Fosh's Chocolates of Waterbury. But now a quick hello going out to two listeners who reached out to me this past week with a number of ideas. Dave from Canton, Alex from Waterbury, they sent a bunch of ideas. You can do the same. I'm so thankful for them for listening and reaching out and for you also taking part in the program. Even if I don't see you, even if I don't hear from you, this program is possible because of you. We're able to highlight all kinds of things going on across Connecticut. The good things, the fun things, happening from Greenwich to Grevenordale, Salisbury down to Stonington, everywhere in between. If you would like to reach out to me by email, easy to do. Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com. Don't worry, I'll give it to you all again. Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com. The spelling, M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. That's also where you can find podcasts of Spotlight Connecticut. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Caitlin in Hebron, and you're listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Morgan Cunningham here with you on Spotlight Connecticut. Boy, do we have a show for you today. I've been looking forward to this show now for a few weeks. It's been hard for me to keep it quiet up until this past week, but yes, George Dory's with us. He hosts our overnight program, Coast to Coast AM. Coast to Coast AM is heard on over 600, I think 650 radio stations across the country. Again, the host is George Nori. He's been hosting the show since 2003, full-time. We've had him all that time on our station. Before that, our relationship began with Coast to Coast AM in 1995, with the original host and founder, Art Bell. And I know George isn't a Connecticut guy. He doesn't live in Connecticut, but again, he has been a big part of our station for all these years, and we're a big part of Connecticut. Also, I think that there's some interest here because some daytime folks probably don't know what we're up to at night on WTIC. George, pleasure to have you on the show. Morgan, it's a pleasure to be with you. What a great station. Your area is so gorgeous. I was there oh, about 12 years ago, and it's just one of the best. 12 years too long, George. We need you back out here. My mother was born in Boston, so maybe I'll get out that way. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Maybe bring one of your events to town. 
That could be. That's a good idea. George, how long have you been doing this overnight radio thing? You started back when you were hosting the Nighthawk on KTRS. That was the mid-90s, wasn't it? Morgan, i got to tell you, I've been in this business since I was 19 years old. Uh, all facets of it. Television, I was a news manager, an executive, owned my own production company. Back in 1996, I wanted to recreate my career. And I saw a movie called Talk Radio with Eric Bogosian. And I went, you know what? That's one thing I haven't done yet. I haven't done talk radio. So I called up a few stations in St. Louis, and they said, uh, yeah, we were interested. They knew who I was. And uh, in I went. And I started doing some part-time work at a station in St. Louis called KMOX. And from there, I got heard by KTRS, another station in St. Louis. And they said, we've got a late-night program for you. I need you in a midnight to 4 a.m. slot to replace a show we have on the air here called Coast to Coast. And I went, oh, my gosh. And in I went. And then they moved me back down to 9 to midnight and picked up Coast to Coast again. And that opened up the door to allow me to fill in for Art Bell whenever he took time off. And then the rest is history, Morgan. How did they find you? How did Arts Network discover George down in St. Louis? We had a guy named Mike Siegel working for us. He was out of Seattle, and he replaced Art Bell. And I knew him, and I called him up, and I said, Michael, if you ever need somebody to fill in for you, let me know. Because I had interviewed most of the same guests that Art had, Morgan. So I was very familiar with the format and those kinds of things. And Mike said, sure, send me a tape. I'll hand it to the executives. They liked it. And Mike took a day off. I filled in for him. He took another day off. I filled in for him. And then a few months later, they decided Art wanted to come back. And uh, they uh, replaced Mike Siegel with Art Bell again and kept me on as his backup. And look what happened. There's some kind of story. I don't know if it's folklore or what, but there was a story where you would wait, and if Art Bell came on, then you did not host for Art, but if Art didn't start, then you went and hosted for him. How did that work? That's kind of crazy. They never knew. When Art said he wasn't going to go on or he was going to go on, they really never knew if he was going to go on. So they had me as standby. I would do my St. Louis show from 9 to midnight, and then uh, in Central West time, I would do Coast to Coast from midnight to four. That's when Coast to Coast came on. Well, they would call me and say 12 minutes or so before Coast to Coast time. They would say, we're not sure Art's going to be on tonight. We need you to be ready. And I said, okay. So they'd send me the prep material. I'd quickly prep it during commercial breaks of my local show. And then I'd go into the other studio when Coast to Coast was ready to go on. And the announcer would say, or their board op would say, if you don't hear art, you're on. And I went, okay. So I'd stand there, and the coast-to-coast theme would start playing, and we wouldn't hear art. And the guy's yelling me in my ear, you're on, you're on. And I'd start, from the City of Angels, or wherever I was, (laughs) and off we went. George, we're talking to a daytime audience, and I know this for a fact that we do have listeners from overnight that are listening during days, but primarily my talk show is a daytime program. How would you explain Coast to Coast AM? Because nighttime radio is just such a different breed and Coast is its own kind of show. How would you explain it to somebody who either's never heard it or is a daytime person, not so much a nighttime person? We handle stories that are unusual, somewhat controversial, somewhat scary, 
whether it's ghosts, spiritual, supernatural, conspiratorial. We'll do a lot of that. Now, my background, Morgan, is heavy in news. So we'll devote a couple hours to the first hours to current events, but with a coast-to-coast twist, a different angle. And uh, it's really become an exciting program for a lot of people. And as you know, we're live on holidays. We don't run tapes. And people just love it. But its I would just call it a very unusual, entertaining show. There was something always to me, working at a Coast affiliate, and I started out in overnights, there was just something great about being there doing live news during your program, local news, but knowing that you guys were live on a holiday. I didn't feel alone, because some people at night, they feel alone, but the Coast presence helps make them not feel alone. That is exactly why we broadcast live on holidays. There's so many lonely people out there that might not have friends and family. This radio show has become their family. And I made a pledge to them 20 years ago when I took over the program that we will work holidays. And if a holiday falls on my regularly scheduled workday, I'll be there. If it's on a weekend, my weekend people will be there. But we're live on Christmas, Christmas Eve, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you name it, Memorial Day, July 4th. We're there all the time because there are lonely people who turn to this radio station as their family, and I'm not going to let them down. Some of the holidays even have their own topics, like New Year's, you guys do the prediction show. What's that all about? Absolutely. It's a great way to start the new year where psychics and astrologers and mystics come on the air and give us their thoughts about how the upcoming year is going to be and then generally we'll bring them back the next year and see how they did and some of the accuracy rate is uncanny on some of their predictions whether it's a war or economic issues or political things or just strange stuff they're pretty good can't forget ghost to ghost either Ghost to Ghost is our pre-Halloween night show, or it'll be on Halloween night if Halloween night is during the week, where our listeners call in with their favorite ghost stories, and we just let the phones go. And i got to tell you, we've got 10 lines, and they're all packed all the time. How does Tommy screen all the calls? Because there's literally a flood, Tommy, the producer, for those of you who don't know the program, because there is just so many calls when you guys open up the phones, and uh, you've got the West of the Rockies, East of the Rockies, first-time caller line. How do you guys keep it all straight? I keep Tommy's tail running, I'll tell you that, Morgan. He doesn't stop. He's He's in his little production booth. Those phones ring. He gets them. And what we do is we don't screen out calls. What we listen for is whether somebody's inebriated or, you know, some people may call up cussing, and I don't permit permit that on the air at all. And, you know, and he'll knock them off. He won't put them on. But uh, generally the calls that come in are from reliable, good listeners, and um, it's his job to just put east of the Rockies, west of the Rockies, wherever they're calling from, we get them on that way. As far as the format goes, usually each night you guys have two guests, one for the first two hours and then the second guest for the second two hours. And there are some variations, but that's the most common format for Coast to Coast AM. You guys spend an hour or just about interviewing that guest. Then you open up to the phone calls and bring in listener comments. I've got to make note about your interviewing style. You are so patient with these guests 
and you let them talk. You let them have an opportunity to speak. You're not yelling at them. You're not cutting them off, which you might hear or some people might hear on political radio. That's not my way. That's uh, I've never been that kind of confrontational interviewer. I figure that I can get what I need out of a guest by being kind to them and respectful. And I get that time and time again, Morgan, from our guests with the feedback they give us later. They say, you really gave me an opportunity to explain myself. And then you interjected at the right time. You came in and did this and that. And um, I try to do it without putting them down. I mean, people will call and say they've been abducted by aliens. 95% of the other media would be, you know, belittle them and make fun of them. I don't. You know, if, if they actually think this happened to them, I'm going to listen and find out why. And it works. Let's say it's me. You get a phone call from me and I tell you, George, I was abducted by an alien. What would you ask me? What would you say to me? I'd say, get some help. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would talk about what happened to them, what led up to it. What did they do with you? Where did they take you? What Were you aboard a ship? Did they beam you aboard? And uh, I just ask them the questions that really get them interested in what we're doing. And, uh, and it's worked. It's worked for the show. We're on 640 radio stations now in North America. Audience level is as high as it's ever been, and it keeps going. Are there any memorable stories that you can recall? People who have called in and said that they saw a UFO, they were abducted, or had a life-after-death experience, whatever it is that might be unusual to some people listening. Is there any one story that really stood out to you? Yeah, I'll tell you two stories. One is uh, a police officer called me, and they got a call to get to a house of a victim who apparently had a heart attack. And uh, the EMTs were on the way, but the cops got there before they did. And they get to the door, and the little old man opens it up and lets them in. And they rush in, and they see him lying on his face on the floor of the living room. Well, they flip him over to give him CPR. It's the man who let them in, and they saved the guy's life. Unbelievable. And another story is a guy was fishing off a creek, and he sees Bigfoot about 15 feet away from him. He catches two, two fish, and he's holding them. And he said, George, Bigfoot is looking at the two fish. And I went, oh, my God. So he gave Bigfoot the two fish. Bigfoot looks at the guy and gives him one back. Now, you can't make that stuff up. Wow. And these just come from everyday listeners, people who call in and tell you this. They're that trusting in you. Absolutely, especially when we open up the lines, which is generally on a Friday. I had a call from a lady who called and said, George, my husband's been abducted by aliens. And uh, he came in. He's never late. He never comes home late. But he came home sweaty and nervous and told me that aliens abducted him. And, and it was unbelievable, George. And you know what else they did? And I went, oh, boy, what? She said, they took his wedding ring off. And uh, I just shook my head and laughed. Let's talk about UFOs for a moment. Do you believe in extraterrestrial life in UFOs? Yes. Personally, I believe that we are not alone. When I was in my uh, 11, 12-year-old age, my mother brought me a book called We Are Not Alone by Walter Sullivan, who at the time was the New York Times science writer. And that really got me hooked on listening to life out there and what might be there. And, and I just think, Morgan, this universe is so vast 
there's no way that we are the only living species on this universe, in this universe. It's just impossible as far as I'm concerned. They've developed propulsion systems to travel. They're more advanced than we are. We're, you know, our planet's four and a half billion years old. The universe is 14 billion years old. Somebody's had a jump start on us, and their technology is way beyond anything we can imagine. But we're not alone. You know, we're trying to figure out who are we, what are we doing here, what's God, what did God do? And uh, you, when you realize all these pieces of the puzzle, how unusual and wonderful all this is, you realize we're not alone. I'm just wondering, why do they not want us to know for sure whether they exist or not? Wouldn't they make themselves more known? I think they don't think we're ready yet, that we're not there economically, uh, socially. I mean, we've detonated nukes. We've, you know, we're constantly in battle and wars. They probably think these folks just aren't ready yet for our kind of knowledge and technology. And I think that's the real reason why they haven't just landed on the White House lawn and just said, here we are, folks. Boy, that would be a talk show for you. George Norrie, our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut, a very special guest. George hosts our overnight talk program, Coast to Coast AM, a show that explores everything about the unusual. Oh, absolutely. The phones would be ringing like crazy. It always did amaze me, though. You used to, for the longest time, have Peter Davenport of the National UFO Reporting Center on every week, and he would list off just some of the people who would reach out to him and tell him what they saw, if they saw a UFO or not. Did it ever impress you just how many reports he got? Because I always felt that way. They kept coming in. It's truly amazing. And uh, Peter's uh, a good guy. He had some health issues, so we picked up Kevin Randall, a retired lieutenant colonel who is doing the same kind of things Peter did. But uh, he, Peter's got the National Reporting UFO Center where calls go straight to them. And they don't stop. Those calls just keep coming in. Based on your conversations with guests, do you believe that government disclosure of UFO information, what they may know or what they may not know, do you think that it will come out, say, in the next decade? We don't know. I've told many a guest. I don't expect government disclosure. And even now, with leaking of reports or publishing reports, they're not giving us the full story. So I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, Morgan, if even in 10 years, they're going to come clean and tell us what's going on. Uh, for some reason, they think we can't handle the truth. Grabbing uh, a line from the Few Good Men movie, But I think we can. I think we're prepared. And I think most people would say, I knew it. We knew it. And they'd go on with their lives. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. George hosts the network show, Coast to Coast AM, a show about every kind of unusual topic you could imagine. And if you're not awake at night, I'm bringing you a little bit of our nighttime programming to the day side, just as once on WTIC. We're going to pause our conversation with George, though, for just a few minutes because I'd like to remember somebody very important, very influential in my life, Dr. Edmund Chabot. He taught me to think creatively, taught me to think critically, taught me not to be afraid to speak my mind, taught me not to be afraid of free speech. Dr. Edmund Chabot passed away this week after a long battle with a long illness. He talked so much in his communication classes about free speech, and how it really is a beautiful American thing. 
that we ought to be thankful for and that we ought to be proud of and that we ought to understand why it is what it is and how we can exercise it. And he didn't care what your perspective was, where you stood on an issue, right or left, or something else. What he cared about was actually free speech and people knowing how to express their opinions. And he taught communication classes. I had taken four with him, one per year, so freshman, sophomore, junior, and then I had him again senior year, of course. I couldn't take enough classes with him, um, and they varied. Some were about writing, some were about history. One of them was more about law. But the best classes with Dr. Chabot were the conversations you had with him in the hallway or at the student center or on the sidewalk or somewhere else. That was definitely the case for me because I always talked with him no matter where I saw him. In fact, I met him three years before I went to Eastern. I was part of the campus radio station as a high school student. WECS-FM was the station, and they took in community members, so I said, yeah, I definitely want to do this. The date was July 4th, 2011. I met him at a community event. A mutual friend introduced us and said, hey, you should have him on your radio show. He is fascinating. And that's what brings me to my favorite radio show with him, which was July 19th, 2014. This was coming on the heels of Dr. Chabot's performance at the Windsor Arts Center. And you might be wondering, why is a communication professor doing a gallery exhibit and doing several of these shows and performances at the Windsor Arts Center? He talks about it better than me, though. Here's an excerpt of Dr. Chabot himself talking about his performance scripts that were on display at the Windsor Arts Center and how he did them in general on my WECS program July 19th, 2014, at about 2.15 in the morning. And don't laugh at my voice. On the count of three. One, two, three. Just recently, you were at the Windsor Art Center. That's right, the Windsor Art Center in Windsor, Connecticut. They called me up about, oh, two and a half, almost three years ago, and said, would you like to do something at the Windsor Art Center? And I said, do you know what I do? I mean, I don't do, like, painting. And they said, yeah, but we heard you do visual performance scores. So I said, well, I do, I do. They're eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper on which I have typed. I usually use a typewriter, not a computer for this. And then painted and then thrown ink and then sometimes glued things on. The uh, performers are supposed to say the words and then say them according to the way they're laid out on the page. So if you can imagine a uh, play in the middle of the page, it would say Tyrone, who's the speaker. And then under, under that, there would be a parenthesis, and it would say parentheses smiling. And then under that would be the dialogue. Hi, Mom, good to see you. Mm-hmm. Well, that parenthetical expression, that smiling, is kind of an indicator to the performer what he or she is supposed to do to say those words. So my theory is that instead of saying smiling, how about if I just put some red paint or some green paint or splattered some ink and let that be the indicator to the performer. So they said, yeah, that's what we want to put on our walls. And that's what they did put on their walls. Now, he had done an overnight performance and viewing of his performance scripts at the Windsor Arts Center. I tried my best to get there. I tried to make it for that two-in-the-morning performance, but I didn't, and I was pretty upset about it. So he said, well, I'll bring it to a radio audience, and so he did. And you might wonder, who is listening in the middle of the night to radio? I've got an answer for you. These are people who want to be creative. They're night owls. They think creatively. They think critically. They think abstractly. 
life is slow in the middle of the night, your brain can process a lot more. As you can hear from that example, he was all of that. So it made for a perfect show at 2 in the morning. Perfect topic. And we had such a response from people, it shocked me. People who were really taking part in Theater of the Mind, we had actually played some recordings of his performance scripts on that program. And uh, it was just one of my favorite memories from that program, of all the interviews at that station I did, of which there are many. It was one of my favorite memories from that point in my life. I just actually remembered he did a lecture once on American democracy and effective communication strategies of George Washington, how George Washington communicated effectively in our earliest years as a nation. So I would go as far as to say we need more professors like Dr. Edmund Chabot. May he rest in peace. I'm Morgan Cunningham. It is Spotlight, Connecticut. We are going to get back to our chit-chat with George Norrie of our overnight show, Coast to Coast AM, in moments. So don't go. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Bill in Plainville, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. We are happy to have a very special guest this week on WTIC News Talk 1080 at Spotlight Connecticut. And our guest is George Norrie. He's the host of our overnight talk program called Coast to Coast AM, which is heard on over 600 radio stations from coast to coast, hence the title. George is celebrating 20 years of full-time hosting the show this month, so we wanted to bring him on and celebrate with him as he achieves that milestone. He's been part of our station now since 2003, and we've had a relationship with Coast since 1995 with the original host and founder of the program, Art Bell. George, I like how you approach some controversial topics. Let's take, for instance, climate change. One night, you'll have on Professor Peter Ward, let's say, to discuss how he views climate change and believes that it exists. And then, you know, you would the following night bring on Professor Tim Ball, for instance, who we know just recently passed away to discuss there's a political motivation for climate change. Why do you take the time to do both sides? Because so many wouldn't. I think it's important for people to get views from both sides. And then they can make up their own mind. Uh, I try to keep my personal feelings out of the picture. Um, I don't vote for president, for example, and the reason for that is not because I'm an American. I mean, I spent nine years in the Navy and I love this country, but I want to remain impartial. So if I talk about something, I don't want it to seem like I'm a favor, you know, I'm, 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 I'm favoritism towards a certain guest. And so I try to balance these subjects as much as I can. Several months ago, it might have been back in November, possibly October. You had a talk show on being cryogenically frozen. It was mind-blowing to think about waking up in a different world from what we're living in today. It was a fascinating conversation that you had. The former baseball great Ted Williams, who passed away, his head is cryogenically frozen with hopes with one day they will clone his body and put his brain back into that body, or at least the memory of and he'll be able to be Ted Williams again at a young age. Uh, it's an incredible subject, but there are a number of people who have willed themselves or paid to be cryogenically frozen until one day science is able to revive these people from what they may have died from. It's, it's truly a remarkable story. Wouldn't you be worried yourself if you were cryogenically frozen? Wouldn't you be worried about inflation in, say, 100 or 200 years? If you're a multimillionaire today, it doesn't necessarily mean that 
in that period of time, you'll be rich in the future. Exactly. I don't think I would cryogenically freeze myself. I would move on to the afterlife and just let life do what it's supposed to do. Another recurring topic on your overnight show, Coast to Coast AM, George Norrie, our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut. You guys talk a lot about the power grid and what the government is or isn't doing to protect our power grid. Even if we're not thinking about major disasters, weather events have a huge impact on our grid today. It was just a little over a month ago, Connecticut got hit with a bad wind and rainstorm right before Christmas, and it knocked out power to over 100,000 people. So in the view of your guests, are we prepared for any kind of major catastrophe to our power grid? We're going to get hit by a solar flare from the sun, an X flare. It happened in the 1800s. We didn't have a lot of electricity in those days. But if it happened today, it would be a disaster. If a rogue nation detonates a nuke high above the atmosphere, it would have an effect of an EMP, as they call it, electromagnetic pulse, which would also shut down our power grid. I have been an advocate and I continue to be, that we need to protect our power grid. It's a couple billion dollar project. We've got that kind of money. We should be spending it right now to fix the power grid. Somebody like Jeff Bezos, to protect his business, which is all done by internet, should spend it all by himself to protect the power grid so the power doesn't go down. Because once it does, they are predicting 80 some percent of the population would die within the first year because you can't get water, you can't get anything, everything goes. How about COVID-19? That's a topic I remember because I worked in 2020 during your program overnight and it seemed like every single night there was just something new to add to the COVID-19 mix. And here we are three years later, that's still very much the case. From your perspective, from having talked with as many guests as you have on COVID, will we ever get an answer as to how the pandemic actually began? Probably not. I was one of the first to say back in December of 2019 that it originated in that lab in Wuhan. I still believe I'm correct, and many experts are leaning toward that conclusion as well. And it got out. I don't think it was intentionally released. I think it leaked out. And it spread all over the planet instantly. I mean, I I said I was airborne. The CDC had not even admitted that at the time. Then they came out and said it was airborne because it was spreading so fast. I I said, this is not people-to-people contact. This, This thing is flying through the air all over the world. And I was right. If it were to happen again where we go into lockdown and people are sick, people are dying, um, it might be COVID-19, it might be something totally, totally different How can we prepare our medical system and our own bodies better for an emergency like that? Your bodies, that's one thing. Preparing through government, that's another. I don't think they're going to do anything. But as far as what I do, I take zinc, D3, vitamin C, and I load up on every possible supplement that you can imagine. I've been doing it for years, and I haven't had the flu. I don't have COVID. And uh, I'm fine right now, thank God. I just uh, keep doing what I do naturally, 
And I think everybody should do that kind of regimen if they can. George Norrie, host of Coast to Coast AM, our overnight program on WTIC News Talk 1080. I'm Morgan Cunningham. I'd like to talk about how, George, you expand on Coast to Coast AM by using events. So it's not just the radio show. It's not just the podcast. It's going out in person, meeting your listeners, bringing some of your guests on stage. Could you talk about some of your stage shows? Stage shows, we'll do four or five around the country. Uh, they're live, the three-hour shows, plus a two-hour meet-and-greet after the event. Uh, we've got a full band. I sing. I interview three to four guests. Uh, audience participation. They ask questions. It's a live stage show, and it's uh, always sold out whenever we do these. And uh, I really enjoy seeing the audience up at front and personal. Uh, you get to see people, and, uh, and I love that. We have a television show called beyondbelief.com, which we do monthly about various aspects of the supernatural, the paranormal, and the unusual. I'm on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. And then we've got a dating service for people who want to get each other, and it's called paranormaldate.com. How did you create paranormaldate.com? I was at an event once, and a lady came up to me and said, George, you got to help us out. And I said, what do you mean, dear? And she said, I was on a date. And I started talking to the guy about UFOs and Bigfoot, and he paid the bill and got up and left. And I said, you're kidding me. And then it just dawned on me, a dating service for people who understand this stuff. So we started ParanormalDate.com, and it's had well over 150,000 members already. Going back to your events, I'm so jealous that I'm not in Los Angeles because you'll be having that luncheon with none other than Pat Boone. How cool is that? Feb 25th, he's a great guy, great actor, great singer, lots of energy. He's in his 80s, looks great, and we've got a special luncheon in Burbank, California. And uh, you should make it, Morgan, if you can, but uh, we've got people coming like crazy to see this thing. Didn't he come on your show at least once, I seem to remember, and he wished your mom a happy birthday or he sang happy birthday to her? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, and he and Mom converse all the time now. They're friends, and he was a boyhood idol of hers. And uh, it was a great gift for me to be able to give her that ability to talk to her lifelong fascination of Pat Boone. And uh, they're buddies now. That's amazing. That's amazing. She's going to be 94 at the end of May. Wow, 94. She listens every night? She listens every night, critiques me. Why'd you say this to that guy? But uh, I just listen and go, yes, Mom. Yes, Mom. (laughs) My mother does the same thing to me. She does, George. I love it. They made us. They created us, so they're entitled to it. You work so tirelessly, George, behind the scenes, on the air. I mean, in the six years I've worked for WTIC and I've listened, you haven't taken off a regularly scheduled weekday in those six years. How do you not get tired? Morgan, I have not taken a vacation week in 20 years. Uh, This program is energetic to me. I mean, I I need it. I feed on it. And uh, and I love it. It's it's something special to me, and I just keep going. I'll take an occasional Friday off once in a while and uh, just keep going. What do you do in your spare time if you need to recharge a little bit or if you do want to travel? I know you don't have a lot of time, but what do you do? Friends and family, Go out, little dinner, little uh, cocktail, uh, nothing extreme. 
a little trip to Vegas once in a while and uh, just enjoy myself and have some fun and then come back and hit coast to coast once again. George, I've had an absolute ball talking with you. You have absolutely no idea. I want people to be able to find more about you, your show, your guests, your events, maybe podcasts of your show. So if they're not up during the middle of the night, they can still listen. Where can people find more of that information? Go to our website, coasttocoastam.com. Full information on how to become a Coast Insider, which is uh, the ability to listen to the program when you miss it on the live radio show. And more importantly, of course, uh, I want to thank you, Morgan, and your incredible audience for supporting this program for all these years and uh, continued success for you. George, thank you for coming on the program. George Norrie this week on Spotlight Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham. Wish we had another few hours to chat with George and get more in-depth. Like I said, maybe we'll do it again another time. Next week on Spotlight Connecticut, though, it's going to be a tasty show. Mm-mm-mm, yes. Going to take a trip over to Fasha's Chocolates in Waterbury. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.